You know, uh, as we think about today, I, I just, it's always so precious, and we're coming into a marvelous year. God has been just downloading what 2023 is going to be for us, really for the kingdom. It's so amazing. Steph and I just laugh. It's like when God gives me these words, it's like, then all of a sudden you hear all these national ministers, and it's like, I gave the word, and I know they didn't get my word. It just shows how we're all in the spirit, how people are in the spirit, and in the spirit of what God is doing. But I'm just going to give you a little glimpse here for about five, ten seconds, and I want you to realize that this coming year is going to be a year of crossing over from where you are to where he wants you to be. And this year is going to be a year of uncommon anointing to do the impossible. An uncommon, there's going to be different times on you this year where there's going to be an uncommon, an anointing you've never recognized, but you know it's the Holy Spirit. And this uncommon anointing is what? Going to propel you in and take you from impossibility to possible to it is finished. It is going to be a year of supernatural promotion. Your supernatural promotion and provision. Now, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to give that to you right before our fast starts after the first of the year, or if I'm going to give it to you, I might just get online and give it to you, but I, I got to lay that revelation out for you. But every year, God gives us a word. And this is just an amazing word he's given us, and I'll, I may describe it a little differently when I give it to you. It's still in my spirit, in my heart, but it's going to be a year of uncommon anointing to do uncommon things. You're going to have uncommon promotions in your life. You're going to have uncommon provisions show up in your life. And, and, and God, you know, just like the man of God said during our conference, they said this church is the smallest it has ever been. It will never be like this again. It, it's only going to go forward and grow and multiply. And, and Pastor Toye talked about the multiplication of grace on us, a multiplied grace on us. If he's called that on Steph and I, he's called it on you. Say so he's called it on me. There's such power in covenant. I tell you, I, I understood covenant at one time, but now it's a whole different realm of what covenant is. I can't wait for the woods. We got a testimony brewing over there. Woo, baby. Got a testimony brewing in the woods family. I can't wait till we get to, It's already multiple miracles happen, but we're just going to let it percolate and cook and be totally done. It's already finished in the spirit. It's coming in a natural. So what's he talking about? Oh, you'll see. And she sent a word to Steph and I, Pastor Steph and I, about covenant and understanding it and even talking about how important the tithe has been to them over the years to always tithe and to sow into this house because they're in covenant with this house. And when they had this potential tragedy come on a baby that was not born and to stand in covenant and know we are speaking and believing with and to see this huge turnaround in this beautiful child that's born and it's almost as totally 100% healed. I, I just can't wait, man. But it's the power, say the power of covenant. See, what I want you to realize is, is that God cut covenant with us. We know he cut covenant way back there with Abraham, and you know the Abraham put all the stuff out and the sacrifice, and he walked through it, and God himself walked through that with Abraham and, and, and cut covenant with him. But the covenant God has really not cut since because he had to do it through his son, Jesus, who is Lord. 
And when I think about it, you know, whenever Christ was crucified, the Bible says that the earth quaked and shaked and the sky turned different colors and it was like some major earthquake happening and it was, but it said in the temple, everybody say the temple, in the church, everybody say in the church, it was the church that was known to those before Christ came and rose from the dead. It was the church before Holy Spirit came to dwell in men and in women and to, to, for us to be sons and daughters of God. And it said the, the veil in the temple, what was the veil? The veil in the temple represented the covenant. It represented the blood covenant of God. And once that veil was torn, it could not be torn or ripped until the Savior, the Messiah, arrived. And whenever he took his last breath, not only did the clouds and the darkness come and, and the earth quaking and shaking and people were in fear, it says the, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. It was ripped from top to bottom. It, it, it's like... Whenever, you know, a young lady uh, gives up her virginity to her husband, you know, so I said that to her husband, uh, what happens in that is there's a renting of, of her inside her. God put a veil in there for a young woman. And you know what that veil represents, Mark, and you know this well, is that whenever that covenant was rent, it was like a birthing. Everybody, we realize that Jesus was birthed, and they're kind of finding out later who was really among them. They didn't totally understand. But whenever you think about Christ, he was the actual covenant that God gave. He sowed his son so that we could live. He sowed his son. He opened up heaven and allowed heaven to come to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how Jesus, he said, this is how you pray. Hallowed, praise God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where on earth as what it is in heaven. Then in Matthew's gospel, I think it's chapter 16, where he said that when they got it, when Peter got a revelation, actually Simon Barjona got the revelation that Jesus was the Son of God, and he said, Simon, flesh and blood, everybody say flesh and blood, could not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. He's the only way you, he, he's the only one he said could give you the revelation, the revealing, the uncovering. And then he changed his name. Simon means one who hears. Bar means son. Jonah means dove. One, and dove represents Holy Spirit. His name was actually Simon Barjona. They called him Peter, but it's Simon Barjona was his full name. And it meant one who hears the Spirit. But he said, from this day forward, you'll be no longer called Simon Barjona, but you will be called Peter Petros Rock. And Petros came from Petra the Rock. The, Jesus said, I am the rock. I am the cornerstone, right? And, and therefore, Jesus being the cornerstone and a rock, all of us are little stones and pebbles from that rock, but together we make the massive temple of God on this earth. For his spirit, his treasure lives where? In us. The Bible says in earthen vessels. And we carry God everywhere we go. We carry anointing. We carry salvation. We carry healing. We carry provision. We carry uh, miracles, signs. and We carry that. Why? Because of the covenant 
that the Son of God chose to come and sow his life so that, that, that we could have an opportunity by his blood. We are saved by grace through faith, right? And what is it? It's the atoning blood, what the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. He came and took our place. And from his blood, that's his atonement. When you take communion, you, 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 you honor and remember him for his, the bread represents his body and his flesh and his time on earth. But when you drink the wine, what's it do? It represents blood covenant. And even the Bible is not Old Testament, New Testament means covenant or testimony. And, and, he, and at the end, it talks about no one can ever add to this covenant, this testament or testimony. And you've heard me say it many times. Jesus didn't come to do away with the old covenant, right? He came to fulfill it. And the new covenant, the old covenant is good, but the new covenant is better. Everybody say better. Come on now. I say good or usually just to get your attention. Turn with me to John chapter 1. This may be a little unusual for, you know, talk about in one sense of the Christmas season, but it's all good. Um, when we think about the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one of them tell their version of what they saw. And if you put it all together, and I've seen, been in with seminary classes and all that stuff where, you know, they lay it all out and they have it timelined, and it's like the same thing. It's just they each interpret or describe it a little differently from their perspective. And each one of the Gospel writers, they, they had their perspective of Jesus. But I love John's, I love all of them, but this season especially, I love John's perspective. His was, uh, his perspective was one of Jesus coming, Jesus in the flesh. John's gospel picture of Christmas is as the day that God decided to open heaven and send his son Jesus to be born in a manger to bring hope to the world. What's he talking about? Well, when we look at that and we begin to think about that, how Jesus is the hope of the world, I wanted to give you this one sentence, and I think it's later in my message here. Um, oh, I'll give it to you in a minute. It'll be good. So as we think about that and we think about Jesus coming, right, Son of God, part of the Trinity, the Godhead, then he comes and he's birthed in this little teenage virgin. Now, we... I watched a little nine-minute clip, and it was this young lady just acting out as though she is Mary, and oh, my God, it's amazing, but it'd be too long to show you, and, and as I watched it, she just took me into a place I'd never been before, describing the scripture where it talks about how God visited, how the angel of the Lord visited Mary, and she just kind of took through what she would be thinking because she was talking about how what an honorable and quiet and, and kind man that Joseph was and that she, whenever she was uh, betrothed by him, you know, that was the goal to be betrothed and to have children and to have a family and to have a legacy. She was just amazed that a man like Joseph in their small village of three or 400 people chose her. He was kind of the prize, the catch. And what was interesting, said once they got the betrothal finances and money together to give to the father and the bride, which every, both families were really poor anyway, she said, now it's done. Now, now we're actually, the vow has been made and the treasure's been given, and now we can be married. But the custom was that they would separate them up to sometimes one year. And the mother and father would not let the bride out of their sight. And here Mary goes out uh, with 
when the women went out to, to, so for months, she had, for, you know, she, for this whole year, she's not allowed to be around any men by herself. And her mother and father, she said, even did it before she was betrothed or anything to keep her reputation. And she said her mother took her to the well, and the mother looked, made sure there was no men, because it was the hour of the day when only women came to the well to do washing or to get water or whatever they did. And said, then the mother walks over to the rest of the women in the village because they like to sit around and talk and talk about the village and what was going on. And she said, my mother had only been gone a few minutes. So this is kind of her perspective. You look at the scripture, it kind of matches, but it, it, I just thought, what a perspective. And then she started talking about the scripture and saying, and what happened was, all of a sudden, I heard this gruff, powerful, rumbling voice of a man behind me. And it was like, when I heard that voice, it was like, I wanted to yell at my mother because I don't want to be dishonored. Even though she'd only been gone a few minutes, everybody knows nothing could have happened. But I couldn't speak and I couldn't move. And the angel of the Lord began to speak to her and tell her that she was the one that the Lord chose, right? That she was valued and that she was honored, that she was going to carry the Son of God. And she's like, well, how can I do that? I'm but a virgin. Then she went into this before she finished the Scripture. She said, and then what was interesting, she said, but you know me, I've always dreamed of having a child. You know, she said, I heard of my, my relative, Elizabeth. Was it Zacharias and Elizabeth, right? And, and way up in her old years, they could never have a child, but an angel visited her. And she said, be as Gabriel, the messenger angel, an archangel, visited her, Gabriel, and she's with child. And she's, she's in the process now of giving birth, and everyone's amazed. And Zacharias can't even speak. It's so powerful, which we know God didn't want him to speak doubt, so he closed his mouth until John the Baptist was born. Because religion will try to kill what God has birthed. See, the only time you can cross over, death represents something new coming. Everybody looks at death as bad, but really death is a time of crossing over. Just like whenever Jesus stood when he was speaking to the 5,000 after John the Baptist was beheaded, his cousin who he loved so much, and he said, the least of you, he was the greatest of all prophets of all men on this earth, of course, other than Jesus. He said, but the least of you are greater than he. He said, in other words, in this new covenant, you're going to have Holy Spirit living in you, not just a promise over you or Holy Spirit coming on you, but you're going to have Holy Spirit living in you, dwelling in you. Parakletos, the one called, what? Alongside you. And he said, and he said, but the least of these, the least of you are greater than he. Now think about that. What happened? Something could not be birthed new until something died. That's why the Bible talks about that you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Because old wineskins follow the shape and the time of the previous wine, which represents the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God. And after a while, when that thing is so low, it begins to dry out. And it began, because it, it, when it was new wine in a new skin, it fermented and expanded that thing back and forth and back and forth until finally it settles down and it's comfortable and it's pliable, and it fits the mold, and it shrinks as the wine is gone, as it's taken out of, out of it. So if you take new, lively, fire, you know, ferment wine, it's in the process of movement and birthing and creating and changing and transforming from this grape into this wine, and all this is happening. You put that in something old and dead and dry, and it's going to explode. 
That's why the move of God is not for everybody, right? It's not because Jesus gave us the opportunity. He said when he was called to heaven, what did he say in Acts 1? When he was taken up, they all thought, oh, my goodness, he's left us again. The church split right there. And he said, don't worry. Holy Spirit, or I get, I'm going to bring Holy Spirit or Paracletos, the one called alongside you, is coming. Because he told him to go wait, right, in, in the upper room and, and tarry for him. So why did I say all that? Look at this time that we have just come through that God has kind of crescendoed this year in 2022. Even though, you know, there's talk of the economy and inflation and crazy politics and crazy stuff in the world and crazy stuff internationally and this nation and that nation, and it can get your attention. And it's like Miss Gwen's prophecy. We know that stuff's going on. We pray about it and go on. We release our faith and move on. What we move on to, we don't move on from it. We move on into deeper things of God to get what he needs us to have because then our prayers are more powerful, our faith is greater, and what we speak comes to pass more often than not. Hmm. So be a person that's not just pliable but be new. You know, in, in the book of Acts, the disciples, they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, many of them multiple times, over and over, is recorded. It, it, baptism means to immerse or submerge. And, and there's times whenever we're carrying this wineskin and it's full of the wine and it's full, it's fermenting and it's growing, it doesn't mean the wine's empty. It just means that the, the skin is molded to where you're at at that time in your life versus where God wants you to be. Because when something is fermenting, it's transforming. And from one thing to something else. And what I want you to realize, I believe 2022 is like a, a fermentation period for us. And we're coming into 23, and God's going to pour new wine in us, and he's given us new wineskins to handle what he wants to do through us. Can anybody believe that? Say crossing over. <laughs> See, you can't cross over without transformation. You can't go there until you leave here. I can't get to that speaker until I leave this spot. I can stretch. I can want it. I can pray for it. I can know that someday that promise is mine. God said, it's time to forget that stuff. It's time to step into that. Leave this and step into that. And one of the things that she was saying in this little clip was, was she said, and so whenever this experience happened, and the angel of the Lord told me what was going to happen, I got home and I told my mother and she was in shock and like, oh, honey, because she knew I hadn't been with anyone. The next day, family meeting, we tell my father and he sits there and he says, let's pray and he's stoic and then all of a sudden, he says, here's what you do. I want you to take Mary to, your, to our cousin Elizabeth up in the mountains, in the hill country, that city, and stay there three months and after three months, we'll know what to do when you return. Why did he say three months? He wanted to know that he knew she was definitely pregnant because Mary was a holy girl, loved God, knew the scriptures. So he knew God must be up to something if my cousin Elizabeth over here who couldn't have a child is now pregnant. I'm, I, I, in other words, it don't fit the wineskin I'm in, but I'm open to give God time to sh reshape me to receive what he wants to She says, when she acts it out, it's so cool. So, well, then we go. It took a week to travel up to that spot, and we're ready to knock on the door, and Mom and I are just talking about, how are we going to communicate? And all of a sudden, her mother just knocks on the door. 
And as soon as she comes in, Elizabeth jumps up and begins to praise God. I said, called her, I forget, what is it? I don't know, Mark, the fair and chosen one, fair, whatever. It's a beautiful line in the Bible, whatever. Good stuff. And, and all of a sudden, she said, I just started praising God. And me and Elizabeth just praised God. We praised God for three months. That's all we did. We talked about our babies and what. And the Holy Spirit, she said she was so full of Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit was coming out of her so powerful. And the baby in her was jumping, and my mom was in shock. See, everybody around you won't understand what's happening in you or to you. And in this season, Christmas teaches us that all things are possible. How could God come and be in a virgin and then leave that virgin to become a fleshly human being, the incarnation, and then operate in what he operated in, died, defeated death, hell, and a grave, and arose again, and was at the right hand of the Father? How could that be? You just can't put your mind around it. 2023 is going to be a year you can't put your mind around it. The only thing that's going to limit it is your mind. And, and, and I'm torn because I always love celebrating the Christmas season, but I also don't want to get you off track that you're not having your heart prepared as we get ready to do our fast after the first year and we get prepared for what God has for us. We have planned months ago. We have planned and set the first six months, of the, really the whole year up, but the first six months is intense and guests and us and all the things we're going to be doing, Pastor Mark and Steph and I and others, and, and, and we'll just... We're just getting it to where you can lay the old wineskin down and say, God, make me new. God, make me new. Now, you could take a little bit of new wine and put it in some old wine. As long as the old wine can choke it down and kill a lot of the fermentation, they can coexist but with no power and little transformation. See, 2023 is going to be a year you got to decide, do I want a transformation or do I just want a, a little trickle? Because a trickle will never win when you need transformation. <laughs> Say, 2023, I'm crossing over. So I'm just wanting you to stay. This week, we're going to have a great dinner. It's going to be fun. Next week, we got a great Christmas. I'll share some, but we got great music. It's going to be a great celebration. And then we got other great things coming all the way through. But I want you over this next 30 days, do not allow anything. Every time doubt comes, just stop and praise God. You know, God gave me this little acronym years ago when I was battling some things in my depression stuff years ago, 12, 14, 15 years ago. And I didn't even know what that stuff was. But STP, stop, think, pray. And I would, every time I felt that come on me, I had scripture laid out. And I would speak that scripture out loud and pray. I'd stop, I'd think about that scripture versus what was going on in my mind, and I'd pray. What's pray? Commune and converse with, ask and receive from God. It's not just talking at God. It's being in communion. Well, what is communion? Remembering God's body, his flesh, and remembering his blood, his covenant. And just release it. Sometimes I just do communion daily. And before long, it totally broke off me without drugs or anything. It just broke off me. And, and then when we got into this thing that God's doing now, he said, change it, not stop, think, and pray. Stop, think, and praise. So what I want you to do, all coming into this year, just stop. 
Whenever you think, well, it's going to be a tough Christmas, think, have a scripture ready, a verse, not a bunch, just a verse. Read it out loud and then pray. Stop, praise. Stop, think, praise. Stop, think, praise. You can pray while you're reading the scripture and then praise. Praise is the most important part of prayer. It's the number one prayer that we should pray. Once seven different kinds of prayer. So once you praise, you can pray whatever prayer you want. But if you don't praise, you didn't really pray. See, I'm crossing over. So let's go back to this. So anyway, oh, okay, so where was that story, babe? So, uh, so she said, we praised God for three months, and then we had to go back to Papa and tell him what was going on. And I, and I just think about that. I'd love to hear the rest of that story because Papa must have received it. And then the angel of the Lord visited Joseph, but Joseph had already made in his heart he was going to protect her and not have her stoned. And then the angel of the Lord visited, he knew. I wonder if it's just when Joseph came and confirmed what God had had and didn't totally understand, then the whole family had to ferment together. He had to leave with her. They couldn't stay there because people would know she's three months pregnant now. Before long, she's going to be showing. Everybody's going to know in the wedding. So once they had the wedding, boom, they got out of town. And why did they do that? Because the fermentation was in process. The transformation hadn't totally taken place. It's not like the angel Lord came and put Jesus' full little beautiful infant in her. He put a seed in him, in her. He put her a seed. The Son of God himself became a seed. The Bible calls him what the incorruptible seed that overcomes corruption. It's in Galatians. <clears throat> So that incorruptible seed, what is that? That's the incarnation. And it had to operate and gestate just like any infant would because the only way Jesus had a right to be our sacrificial lamb is if he came as a man. Okay. So as we look at this, John's gospel is a picture of Christmas. That's the day God decided to open heaven and send his son Jesus to be born in a manger to bring what? Hope to the world. Now, hope, the way we define it, is to wish for something good or better is the way the world thinks about it. Hope from a child's perspective is the joyful, you want anticipation of something good, a present or something. But what we got to realize is our hope is not in any of that. Our hope is all in Christ, the hope of glory. Christ, the Scripture says, the hope of glory. Christ, Christos, anointed one, hope of glory, God's manifested presence. So through our Emmanuel, through our Christ, comes the hope of God's manifested presence. <clears throat> Look at me in John chapter 1. I'm going to read quite a few verses real quick here. John 1, beginning in verse 1. You know, this is one of my favorite all-time passages of Scripture. You see, Christmas is when we remember that God became flesh, the incarnation, and it's the truth of our faith that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Any religion, you, you just pick one. They will accept Jesus maybe as a good man or a great prophet, but they won't accept him as the son of God. You can always find out what's true by that. That's the dividing factor. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, 
and life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. He's, the Bible says well, he's the light of the world. I love what Pastor Toye said during the conference. He said that man cannot create fire. We learned how to use it, but God created fire. We just put the sticks and stuff together and caused the combustion. We learned how this combustible stuff releases the energy of fire. Fire is not the wood. It's the energy that comes off of the transformation of the wood. When the wood crosses over from what it was to what it's supposed to be, heat or light. Man didn't create light. God is light. And they've even, you know, in science and astrology and all, they, they realize that there is a light and the darkness really is nothing. All darkness is is a vacuum where there is no light. There's no molecules in darkness. Because light reflects what? Off the sun, off the moon. That's where we get light from. Anyway, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify. Talk about John the Baptist, right? Concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only, became, he only came as a witness to the light, the light of the world, right? Jesus. Verse 9, <clears throat> the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Now, the word world we think of as all these planets. World doesn't mean that in the Greek. It means ages. It's aeon is the word. It means ages. <clears throat> Talking about what? That everyone, that the true light that, that gives Light to everyone was coming into the ages. The age, whatever age you're in, he's in it. Ages, dispensation. You probably heard this is a dispensation of grace, right? The main thing is it's the dispensation of Jesus. See, people divide it, they don't understand. So, verse 10, he was in the world, and though he was in the world, was made through him. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Remember? The Roman leaders, they didn't recognize him. The religious people too, for that matter. He came to that which was his own. He came to the children of Israel. Right? He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They crucified him, right? Yet to all who did receive him, say, let that be me, Lord. Say, I am him. I am that one. I am that one. So I received him. I'm born again. Doesn't mean you're not going to die with a disease. I mean, you're born again. Doesn't mean you're not going to live poor. Does not, not mean your family's going to blow up. You can be saved and a lot of bad things can happen to you. But you got to realize when you accept Jesus, you just constantly are receiving that grace. It's active. It's working all the time. Jesus is always here. He's in whatever age, whatever dispensation of your own life, whatever season you're in, he's in it with you. But the only deal is to get the transformation you need to bring heaven to earth. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. If you want that healing from heaven in your body, if you want that provision from heaven in your, in your life, your finances, whatever it is, that peace that passes your own understanding, it only comes from Jesus. Those who received him, he gave the right to become what? The children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, 
or a husband's will, but born of God. You know, in Genesis 2, when God hewn man out of the dusty earth and breathed his, his life in him, the word life, zoe, means the God kind of life in him. The Bible says he became a, what, a living soul. In the Jewish Talibid or the Jewish Bible called, uh, Jewish scriptures, the way they describe it is he, it became a walking, speaking, talking spirit. Basically, a walking, talking spirit of God. We, we're not just a mouthpiece. We're ambassadors. That's what the Bible says. You know, if an ambassador is in another country and someone attacks that ambassador, they attack the country they're from. Wherever they're at, that's, that's sacred. Wherever you're at, sacred. And that's why you'll hear me sometimes pray for people and I'll curse the property jumper, the claim jumper. Say, get off. You don't have a right to put cancer on her. You don't have a right to divide that family. You're a, you're a property jumper. You're a claim jumper. I rebuke you in Jesus' name because it has no right, whatever it is, what it has no right to be on a Christian, has no right to be in a Christian, has no right to affect a Christian. It's a property jumper. It's a claim. Don't let Satan take your claim, your rights, your valuables. That was given to you by daddy, a papa. <clears throat> Look at us now. Get into the good stuff. Verse 14. Talk about the word, born of right? Verse 14. Then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, look now, full of grace and truth. You're going to see that grace is more than, you know, what do we normally say? Grace is something favor, huh? Unearned favor, whatever, whatever, yeah. people. Wish people would study the word. It's, yeah, that's a little trickle of something about it. That's old wineskins. It's not been, uh, whatever. Why would you say that good people are not transformed? I'm not talking about have been. They have been transformed. But the Bible is about metamorphosis. It's about a continuation. You haven't been transformed only. You're supposed to be transforming. The word salvation, sozo, is a perpetual word. It's a perpetual. You are not saved. You are being saved. Being saved. Being saved. Well, you mean I won't get heaven? Oh, you can get heaven. But if you want to walk in the fullness of who God is in you, you've got to continually be transforming along with your faith and your, your obedience and, 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 and stepping into the things God has for you. Touch your neighbor and say, ouch, I know that hurt. Okay. <clears throat> Oh, this is one of my all-time favorites here. We're getting ready to come. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was what before me. Out of his fullness, because Jesus only came one way full, out of his fullness we have all. Everybody say everyone. Say all. Received Grace in place of grace already given. See, they were given grace. They were followers of God, right? They were 
given grace, even the ones that crucified Jesus. I mean, they were just religious. They couldn't understand the formation process. They couldn't understand why you want to mess up this amazing good old wine that's been so good for so long and it's still got some left in it and now you're going to get rid of it. For this new wild stuff, it's not even fully transformed yet. It's crazy fishermen and tax collectors out here serving this crazy person. Think about that. Grace upon the grace. So they had grace under the... Moses, the old covenant. So they were living by the law given, God gave it to Moses. So they're living by the law that was given to them by Moses. That was a level of fermentation. That was a, a, a level of stature in spiritual things. That was, a, that was what they were required to do. Now, the Bible teaches that the law means tutor to train. So, so no one could live up to that tutor in the natural. It's like learning all this amazing stuff, but you just can't do it or accomplish it because, you know, you know about it and you know you should, but you don't know how to make that plane fly, right? So grace upon grace. So look at this now. This is interesting. It says, out of his fullness, all we have all received grace in place of what? Grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So one was given and one came. One was, see, Moses was teaching what God gave him, but instead of teaching, Jesus manifested. He came. And even though Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he gave Paracletos, Holy Spirit, to us so that he would always be with us. So I'll never leave you or forsake you. But if we are having this revelation, God, give me what I need to do. Give me what I need to say. Well, that's an okay prayer. If you do something with it, if you seek, if you study, if you try, if you learn. But it's still not as good as when it comes. The greatest revelations in my life have came. I, I, they, don't, they weren't given to me by my intellect or my knowledge or by some spiritual dude I know. <laughs> Revelation comes. Now, you posture yourself and you put yourself around men and women of God and the Scripture and the Word, but always realize when it comes, when you get it, you get it. I was around people that got people, raised people out of wheelchairs and done great miracles, signs, and wonders, and I hadn't done it yet. I had a little bit of healing here and there, but I hadn't done nothing like that. But all of a sudden, I prayed one time and it came, boom. Prayed one time and it came, boom. See, revelation, what is that? The revealing or uncovering of the truth of God comes. We're looking for somebody to give us something instead of catching something. You know, something given to you, that's one thing, but when you catch it, it's like the little woman, you know, with the issue of blood and gave all of her wealth and everything. She's a wealthy woman at one time, and she's bleeding to death, and she pressed through the thousands, the throngs of people, thousands of people just almost crushing Jesus. His disciples are trying to hold him off, and they're trying to get to the next place. Dr. Hager's book, right? All the great stuff happens on the way. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, stop. What do you mean, Lord? 
Virtue flowed out of me. Well, what is virtue? Virtue is dunamis power. It's the propulsion, the power, the anointing of God coming through into a situation. I felt virtue. You know, we like virtue, that's holiness. That's one form. But if you study the Greek word out, that, that, that's a description. But virtue, what is holiness, separate or other? But, but what are you separate or other from? Whatever you need to be separate or other from. Virtue, dunamis, talks about the expulsion and the power of God coming forth. And Jesus felt it released from him. While those other people were grabbing Jesus and wanting stuff from him and talking, oh, please, Lord, oh, we, oh, son of David, oh, da, 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 da. they didn't get nothing. But this little woman had a revelation. She didn't read it in a Talmud or the scripture or read it, well, if I just touch his garment, I could be healed. She came to where he was, and she sought him and did all she knew to do, all she knew to do, all she knew to do. See, that's always asking. Just do all you need to, all you know to do. And I'll help find a way to get it in you. Get it to you. Get it through you. And then he stopped, and all of a sudden, this little woman, it was me, Lord. Am I supposed to give food or whatever it is to the dogs? And people say, oh, that was racist. That was bad. No, it wasn't. What he's talking about is he was demonstrating to all the people around him they would look at you, that, uh, the Jewish people at that time, looked at someone that's unfit to have the holy things of God because how could they be believers, right? But Jesus honored her after he said that because she received and they didn't. These guys had seen him raise the dead and do all kinds of stuff. They didn't get what he had. Peter could have used a little bit of that, couldn't he? Yeah. Had revelation but he stopped the formation process. See, we get, you get a little dose of the Holy Ghost, right? A little dab of do you for a day or two. It's about staying in it. It's about when you're out of it, get back in it. Everybody say, stay in the flow. So we see, what I want you to get, if you just think about it like this, Moses gave the first covenant, right, the law. But Jesus came and was the second covenant, grace. We got grace for grace. Moses, it says, in the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus, and in Romans 5, it talks about he is our grace. So Jesus is grace. Grace is not just an adjective or verb or whatever, right? It's a person. Personality and purpose. Jesus has a, he is a person of God, but he also has a personality, he has purpose, he has attributes and all those cool things. And the more you seek him, the more you know him. But see, his no is not our no. His no, our no is a knowledge of. His no is ekgnosis in the Greek language. It means to be brought together as to conceive. To know what they're talking about is when a man and woman came together to conceive a child, right? When they had that happen and they would release seed. And he said, to know is not just to know about or have an idea or look at something, but it's to be birthed together. It's to create seed to come forth. Jesus lived out the whole seed principle for us. He was sown into Mary. He, he grew and 
all this and the life and assignment of a man on earth to die on a cross happened. But the true assignment that made it all work for everybody else was when the seed was crushed and bruised and killed. Out of it came its true assignment, which not only was to, to defeat Satan, death, hell, and the grave, but to release his Holy Spirit on this planet, his godlike nature on this planet, to live in us, on us, and able to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Greater is he who is in me, who is in you, than he who is in this world. See why I say that all the time? I, I, I say that. You think I just say it as a habit? No, it's revelation. And when I feel my spirit press, I say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. What am I doing? I'm releasing revelation. I'm releasing, I'm getting ready to ferment some stuff, messing with me. I'm going to transform it or dispel it, one or the other. But that's his goal for all of us. Ethnosis, to come together, to conceive together. So whenever you get revelation, it's conception. Revelation is not when you're dating and playing around. Revelation is not when you try to and you almost do. Revelation is when you conceive. Gertrude, that's pretty crude. There's so much we can see through this gospel account with Jesus, isn't it? Jesus reminds us that this is the moment when heaven came to earth as the person of Jesus. Listen to verse 4 again. It says, in him who in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So the light of the ages, the, the, the God of the ages, the, all the way back there in Genesis 2 when, when God spoke God-like life, into the first man, create him in his own image and likeness, create him, boom. When he spoke, he released his God-like life in you, his light, the light of the God of all creation. He gave you the same tools. He believed and created in his mind and spoke it, and it came into existence. That's the same way faith works. Actually, Romans 3, uh, Hebrews eleven three says that's the way it was framed, fit and fashioned. I got to go on because I got to... I got to get something here because I don't, what have I got? Two minutes? She already held my five-minute warning up. I'm, lucky for you all, I'm hungry, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Verses 12 and 13 again. Yet all who did receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to what? Become the children of God. Who? All those who did receive him. So you got to receive his seed. That's how conception is made. The male brings the seed, and the female, her body, receives the seed. There can be no conception without sowing and without receiving. There can be no conception without sowing and receiving. The, the initial seed has to be sown to come together to conceive to make the actual manifestation of the seed that's supposed to be born. Oh, how did you get saved? I was what? Born again? Oh, you went, how do you explain that? Well, you went from a place of grace to grace. You went from a place of old covenant grace to new covenant Jesus grace. You went from a place of something was given to something was birthed in you. He gave them the right to become the children of God. 
children born not of natural descent. So righteousness, well, that means you don't sin. Yeah, sure, you're not going to sin. Oh, you, you Jesus. No, the Bible talks about repenting of your sin because he knows you're going to sin. Righteousness actually means position, topos, place of position and opportunity. Right standing. What's that mean? I, I have a revelation. I'm a child of God, and I'm standing in my rights as a child of God. That's why when things of this world get on us, it's a claim jumper. And we have the right standing with God to speak and break it just as though God spoke. Because when you're in agreement with him, he did. Nor human, look at us, not of natural descent nor of human decision or husbands will born of God. Let me get down here to a couple other. I want to read verses 16 through 17 again from the Amplified Version. It says, For out of the fullness of the superabundance of his grace and truth. Everybody say superabundance. We have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, everybody say grace, the undeserved favor of God, the truth, know the truth and the truth of what? Make you free. He is the truth and life forevermore. It's what he said about his own self. And the truth came through Jesus Christ. What do you mean the truth came through Jesus? I thought he was God. Oh, he was flesh and blood, 100% man. But the truth you got was not what he, not what was carrying. That was just something to carry the truth and the light of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the anointing of God, the spirit of God, the covenant of God. The law was given and grace came. You know, we hear the word Emmanuel, God with us. Let me read this in one more translation and we'll pray. I love this out of the Message Bible. 1 John again, verses 16 through 18. It says, we all live off, we all live off his generous abundance, right? We're living off daddy's inheritance, aren't we? We all live off his generous abundance, gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, and then this exuberant giving and receiving. Everybody say giving and receiving. This endless what? Knowing and understanding. So, when something's born in you, is different than you have a knowledge about it. And I loved in that little clip Mary was talking about, I'm, I'm a virgin. I mean, I've been wondering how this is all going to take place and how this is all going to happen. And Because I've never been with a man. You know, Joseph will have to train me in what to do. But now the angel of the Lord came, and now I am pregnant. And I don't understand this. But God, whatever your will is, I'll go for it even though she knew she could be stoned. And what I want you to understand is it's kind of like you can have an orange up here, and if you've never tasted an orange, I can describe it, how juicy it is and how fresh, and you can't taste it because you've never tasted one. Notice now, this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came what? Through Jesus. Through the Jesus of the John John 1, verses 16 through 8, the Messiah. In other words, through this Messiah is talking about. No one has ever seen God before, not so much as a glimpse. This is one-of-a-kind God, expression who exists 
that the very heart of the Father may be made plain as day. Jesus came to be our light, to came to be God's light to shine in our darkness, in our vast emptiness. As we get ready to pray, I want you to get this in your heart. It said in giving and receiving, giving and receiving. It's not just talking about giving money. If God gives me an anointing and I just hold it for me, after a while, the fermentation's gone. It's not worth it. It's not, it's not there. I might think it's there I'm in my memory, but I go to pull on and pray for somebody, it ain't there. But if I'm actively activating what God's put in me and releasing what God, that's why I got on y'all about a month ago. A bunch of you, I know, you got gift of laying hands on people to be healed, and you're like, oh, you're up here falling out and quivering and rolling and slobbering and snotting all over the floor. But have you laid hands on anybody? I'm serious. I'm not playing. I don't want to, that's like, that's like the Bible talks about a man wasting his seed on the ground. When we don't use God's anointing, we're wasting his seed on the ground. You think God's going to put up with that? Then when you need an anointing for a family member, you don't have it because you didn't operate for the rest of the family God called you to operate with. We're a seed, people. That's how we are. Waiting to be conceived over and over. We're just a seed, and God wants to use the seed of your life, your revelation, your person, your personality, your purpose, the God in you. He wants to use that seed. He said, that's why I take the foolish things to confound the wise. I mean, I, I have my master's of divinity, but I don't go around talking about it. Why? Because it don't mean anything if you don't have any power. Greater is he who's in you, my friend. Greater is he who's in you, my brother and sister. You think God's going to honor us if we don't do anything with that? I want more, God. I want more. Ooh, I was drunk all the way home. It's amazing. Well, what'd you do with it? Did you release your faith in the atmosphere? Did you begin to stand in declaration and intercede for somebody? Did, did you see somebody you minister? Or is that, that I tell you what, that anointing, just because you don't feel it the next day, if God told you last night to pray for somebody, as soon as you take an act of faith, it'll come on you. If he can't get it through you, he won't get it to you. Now, we see that in finances too, Right? Whenever I sow financial seed, if I sow apples, I get more apples. If I sow oranges, healing, I get more healing. A lot of times if I'm battling sickness, I preach on healing. Because if I sow healing, it accelerates my healing. You reap what you sow. See, you just look at, you have faith. The problem is you're facing the wrong thing. You have faith in I'm not good enough. I'm not anointed enough. You have faith in, well, you worry. That's, that's faith. It takes faith to worry, man. That's focus. As soon as you get up, you worry. Oh, my goodness. You get an hour break. You eat lunch. You worry again. Then you worry all afternoon. Then you worry if you won't go to sleep because you've been worrying. Then when you go to sleep, you wake up and go not worrying. Can't go back to sleep. Finally go to sleep, wake up worrying, and you start worrying all over. Man, that's, that's hard work. That's faith. I mean, you got faith that, man, you could concentrate that long on worry. If you just concentrate one second on faith, you would break all that worry off your life. It's hard work to, to, to not believe in the things of God. It's hard work. Why don't you turn that work and that effort in 
to believing what God said and who he is and, who, and what he said he could do.